0: Thank you, my sister Carol. Uh, thank you for that wonderful prayer. Uh, It's indeed a joy this morning to be able to share with us uh, what the Lord has placed on my heart. And I believe that uh, he will bless each one of us in a unique way through his word. Um, Once again, my name is Michael Lukwago, I'm married, one wife, uh, Robina Lukwago, we have three daughters. Uh, she traveled, she's not around, so I'm fully in church. I'm uh, dad and mom, so I'll be dropping the kids after this. The topic that we are going to share from today is raising a righteous generation. And it's taken from First Samuel, chapter 2, verse 22 to 36. Uh, you will um remember that the theme that we are covering this period is the call to witness the call to witness and so we are called to raise a righteous generation that's what uh this morning i'm going to be sharing with us and i believe that the lord will be able to speak to each one of us uh in a unique way that you'll be able to pick something for you to take home Father, I commit myself before you. I ask that your presence will be with me, that you speak through me to your people. Lord, may I decrease as you increase in me. I pray that your word shall be very clear to each one of us, that we will listen, we will learn, and be able to put it into practice for the glory and honor of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to quickly read through this psalm so that we are able to understand the context of what we're going to share and then uh, we'll take it on from there. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 22 to 36 and this is what it says now Eli who was very old heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So he said to them, why do you do such things? As I was reading this, uh, I I noticed that for some parents, uh, you wouldn't even ask the question. Something would, uh, some lashes would probably come before the question comes. But here's Eli asking the sons, why do you do such things? I hear from all people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons. The report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against God, against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and favor of the Lord, with the Lord and with people. Now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, this is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestor out of all tribes of Israel to be my priest to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an effort in my presence. I also gave your ancestors family all the food offering presented by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel <laughs> therefore the lord the god of israel declares i promise that mem- members of your family would minister before me forever but now the lord declares far be it for me those who honor me I will honor but those who despise me will be dis- disdained the time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house so that no one in it will reach old age and you will see distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel, no one in your family family line will ever reach old age. Everyone of you that I do not cut off from serving at my altar I will spare only to destroy your sight and sap your power, your strength and your descendants will die in the prime of life. And what happens to your two sons Hophni and Phinehas will be assigned to you. They will both die on the same day. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house and they will minister before my anointed one always. Then everyone left in your family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a loaf of bread, I plead. Appoint me to some priestly office so I can have food to eat." Wow. It's amazing uh, when you read this, uh, Eli, we all know was the high priest and uh, his sons were beh- behaving in an unbecoming manner. And um, as <coughs> soon as you read this topic, the first thing that comes to mind is, um, is, is that probably we are referring to young children that are being raised up uh, to be a righteous generation and, and for me at least that's what came to mind immediately but guess what when you analyze it further you realize no this is not just for the children it's not just for the children god is actually calling us in all our small uh, spheres of influence those places where he has placed us where he has assigned us he's he's calling us to raise righteous generations in those areas so it's not just the children children are part of it but it is everywhere so Each one of us is called now to be able to raise a righteous generation. You could be a a parent, you could be a leader, a high priest, you could be a student leader or a teacher, anything where you have a sphere of influence, you are being called to raise a righteous generation. The other thing I want to point out is that righteousness is not something we earn. I'll repeat that. Righteousness is not something we earn. It is a gift that should be received. It is a gift that should be received. When you read in Romans uh, chapter 5 from verse 17 to 19, it says that for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But, when, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. This is clear, makes it clear to us that this is a gift. Verse 19 goes on to say, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. So it is not something that you're going to earn by your acts, by what you've done, but it is something, it's a gift that you will receive from God. Another scripture that uh, supports this is Isaiah 58. Uh, verse 8, where the righteousness of God is declared, his glory is seen. You cannot see righteousness and not see the glory of God. So, the glory of God will be where there is righteousness. If we are living a righteous life, then the glory of God will be there. Second Corinthians chapter 5 also highlights this. For our sake, he made him to be seen who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And you've had many people throw this scripture around. I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. Yes, you are. It's a gift. But then we are called at the same time to live and to raise a righteous generation. So once you've known that, what is righteousness Therefore. What is righteousness? According to Psalm 97 and verse 6, it says that the heavens proclaimed his righteousness. Every nation sees his glory. Every nation sees his glory. And therefore, I want to highlight a few things uh, that was, I was able to um, pick about righteousness, about who and what righteousness is. Who is that person that is righteous before God? Number one, Psalm 45, verse six to seven, it says, loving what God loves and hating what God hates. That's the one thing that highlights or clearly spells out righteousness what it means to be righteous before God. Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. Your rule with the scepter of justice. Verse seven, that's Psalm 45. It says, you love justice and hate evil. So the one thing that is expected of me and you, as as long as we're going to live a, a life that is righteous before God, is to Love what God loves and hate what God hates. We shouldn't be the ungodly people because the ungodly will love what God hates and they will hate what God loves. We need to love what God loves and hate what God uh, God hates. This is what will align us with God in all the things that we do as long as we love what God loves and hate what God hates there are even people actually who take pleasure out of what gives God pain and you you've, you I don't I don't need to go into the details but there are people for them in their life it is their mission and uh, vision to make sure that they will find pleasure in whatever gives God pain. And that's for them how they live. The second thing that uh, I was able to pick is that you need to be able to take a stand for right, irrespective of who is taking the opposite stand. Take your stand, be able to stand out, it doesn't matter what the others say. And this can be very, very difficult. It can be very difficult. Because many times, we want to be able to fit in. You want to fit in. You want to be apart, to belong. And yet, you know that if you do that, immediately you're going to compromise your stand. And so the other thing that is going to help us to be righteous and stand out is to be able to take that stand, irrespective of who's standing on the opposite side. Exodus 32 verse 26. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and shouted, this is Moses, all of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join. He took a stand. He had to say, okay, you have done all this building calves and worshiping the golden calf, but whoever is on on the Lord's side, come here and join me. It is basically standing for what is right, even if it means standing alone, even if it means you standing alone, you stand out and be counted, be among the ones who will say no is no. And you know, even in the workplace, this this, uh, is very evident. You find against uh, You want to be able to fit in, and because of that, you are trying as much as possible to sit on the on the fence. Eh? You want one leg to be here, one leg to be here. You don't want to stand out because they will say, you know, or they will, you know, um, begin to take on you and um, tease you, or even uh, say, look at this one. I remember a story when we were you know, in the youth, uh, the young overcomers. And, uh, you know, this is a group at All Saints that uh, uh, is made up of people that are working, finished um, school. And uh, one one young lady shared with us how she was put on the spot. Uh, She was doing uh, auditing for one big company. And uh, of course, the, the company, I think, had, you know, some dodgy, Things that they were doing. And uh, they were offering her such a substantial amount of money to be able to change these figures and everything. And she said, Guys, I am here. I have no rent. I am struggling. I am, you know, my salary is uh, cartoon. And they are offering me this substantial amount of money, you know. Can you imagine how difficult it was for me to stand and say no? But she stood. Uh, But she was sharing that, you know, this thing is real. You you need to be able to, uh, you know, have a a backbone and and have uh, your stand in the Lord to be able to, you know, overcome some of these temptations and things that come your way. So are you able to take that stand and stand out? The third thing that um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to highlight is living by the principles of God rather than the principles or the standards of the earth. And we know this is very clear. Living by those rules of the kingdom and not the rules of the system of the earth. When you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, it says that's the whole story. Here now in my final conclusion, fear God and obey his commands. For this is everyone's duty. Everyone's duty. You and I, our duty is to fear God and to obey his commands. His commands are the rules of the kingdom of God. Those are his commands, living by the principles of God rather than the principles and the standards of the world. So if you are able to live by the principles and the standards of God, then you're living a righteous life. The fourth thing is living with consciousness of the end in mind. And this is talking about eternity. Eternity. Have eternity in you. you don't live like you're here to stay. Mm-hmm. You're here to be, you know, uh, a monument or something on earth. No. Live with the mindset that there is the end coming. Again, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 from verse 13 to 14. Um, Verse 14 says, God will judge us for everything we do. So there is a time that is coming where we will be judged, you and I, including every secret thing, whether good or bad, a time is coming. And so if you are to be righteous, if you are to live that life that is righteous, you need now to begin to have that consciousness in mind that the end will be there, There there's eternity after this. You have to have that picture in mind. It is living as a stranger and a pilgrim on earth. You live as a stranger. You don't live as if you have arrived. You have arrived, it is done. There's nothing else to live for. I am going to live here and die and that's it. Or maybe not die even. The other thing is living in fear and reverence of God. Living in fear and reverence of God. Now, this fear is not the fear of a lion, the fear of a snake, or some people, a cockroach. You know, it is fear and reverence of God. You're honoring God. You are, you know, humbling yourself before God. You allow the fear of God to now guide your steps and actions in everything that you do you allow God to be the one to lead through his Holy Spirit. If, if people have fear of God, if people have fear of God, they will be cautious of every action they do. Before you do anything, before you go out you know, to drink, before you go out to you know, um, find um, uh, the, the, the wrong people to go with and do all kinds of actions or things, if there's fear of the Lord in you, That voice will keep reminding. It will keep haunting you until you say, no, I cannot do this. So there is need for us to live in the fear and reverence of God. Number six is living to give God pleasure with your life. Are you living that life that God will look at and say, like Carol said, well done, good and faithful servant. Is your life... A life that will please God, bring pleasure to God. Matthew 3, verse 17 says, And the voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Will will the Lord be able to say that for you or for me in that case? Will the Lord be able to say that this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. When he looks at the actions that you've been doing, the things that you've been doing, will he be pleased? There are people who give God pleasure with their lives, while there are others who give God pain with their lives. God feels the pain by the way that you're living your life. And the Lord is saying to us this morning, live a life that will bring pleasure to a life of righteousness, God is looking forward to bring us to a point where He is happy with us, with all of us, a point where He's happy with you, with me, with everyone else, not bringing pain to Him when He looks at what you're doing. And the last thing is living with God first mindset that your mindset should be God first in everything, God first. Before you engage in anything, before you release that word out of your mouth, think. Think about what God would think or would do. Matthew six thirty three, which is a very common uh, scripture for all of us, seek first his righteousness and all these things shall follow. Seek his righteousness. That's what we're being called to do in this um, scripture. Seek the righteousness of God. It is allowing... God to have the first place and the final say. He has the first place and he has the final say. On all issues pertaining to your life or my life for that matter, on earth, uh, anything that I'm doing on earth, God should have the first and the final say. First place, final say. Is that how you are living your life? Is that how you're living your life? So from the scripture we read this morning, 1 Samuel, we read about Eli and his sons in 1 Samuel, chapter 2, verse 22 to 36. So we read about Eli and his sons, and we find that his sons were actually the ultimate bad seeds, so to say the life that they were living as as sons of the high priest. And indeed, they were supposed to um, be the ones to take over, you know, because God had promised that his family will be the ones to serve at the altar, you know, but it turns against, or it turns the other way around. So when you look at Eli's sons and compare with Samuel, you're actually the anti-Samuel version, they were the total opposite. They would steal from people making sacrifices. Can you imagine? They've brought sacrifices and these people are diving and, 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 and stealing these sacrifices. These are sacrifices that were being uh, brought at the altar for, for the Lord, but the sons were stealing them. They were, they, were, they, they had become like rock stars. You know, um, in, in these, these tours, if you, if you, if you to find out, the, the, the rock stars or musicians, when they're on tours, you know, in the Western world, they would go around picking up all these pretty girls from the crowds and, you know, they go around sleeping with them. And this is what Eli's uh, children were doing. They were picking the girls who were serving at the entrance of, of the altar, of the temple, you know, and... And when uh, Eli, he seems to have been, you know, in his uh, late um, ages, he seems timid, he seems kind of meek, not assertive, even the way he says it, you know. Why are you doing these things, really? If you are a father and your sons are doing things at that level. I am sure you would be outraged. You would come out and, you know, say, get out of my side or something. But here is Eli and he, all he does is express his disapproval of his sons. And of course, what do you, what do you expect? If you're not assertive, if you're not very, you know, um, authoritative as you speak, they, they just laughed him off. Precisely what they were saying is, look at this old man, you know, Ineffective loser of a parent, you know, they were not bothered by what he was saying because they looked at him and said, You know, probably what can you do? You know, but he was probably also reaping what he had sown. Maybe it's not mentioned there, but that's what I'm thinking. Because if you've raised the children in a way that is righteous, why would they be doing all these things? So, as a high priest, what should Eli have done? And this is what the Lord is speaking to us as well. I want us to be able to understand this. Once you understand this, then you'll be able to raise a righteous generation. If Eli had done some of these things, then probably his sons would have turned out different. And these are all things that are mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Uh, that we read from verse uh, 28 to 36. So the first thing, um, we have this whole summary that is being given in 1 Samuel. But the first thing that comes out is to be God's priest. That's what he was challenged to do. If you read... um, Um, Verse 28, I chose your ancestor, Aaron, from among all the tribes of Israel to be my priest. To be my priest. So God had chosen and he had said, be my priest. So first and foremost, the job of the high priest was to minister to the Lord from this scripture. Before he served the people, he was A servant of God. He was not first the people's priest and then God. He was first the priest of God. So whose priest are you? Ask yourself, and as I ask myself, whose priest am I? God or Satan? Who who am I serving? Who am I serving? I need to work on myself. You need to work on yourself. Are you God's priest? or not the second thing that is being mentioned here is after he had called him to be the priest the next thing he says to offer sacrifices on my altar to offer sacrifice upon my altar on my altar that's the second thing that we need to be able to do and ally was supposed to do this. These are things that he had been instructed or instructed through Aaron. The priests brought sacrifices for atonement and worship. What sacrifice are you offering? What sacrifice are you offering to God for purposes of raising a righteous generation, for purposes of turning to be a righteous man or woman before God? What is the offer, uh, sacrifice that you're offering? The next thing that is being mentioned again in verse, that same verse is to burn incense. To burn incense. Burning incense was a picture of prayer because the smoke and the scent of the incense ascends up to heaven. And if you've been in... Uh, in um, Prayer school or other places, you would know that burning incense was more of that symbol, or a picture of prayer. Incense unto the Lord. The priest was to lead the nation in prayer and to pray for the nation. That was one of his roles. So you and I are called to be the kind of priest that will cause prayer to prevail. If I or you are supposed to raise a righteous generation, guess what? You need to burn that incense at the altar. And in effect, what this is saying, you need to be a prayerful person. You need to pray at all times. You need to constantly burn that incense, constantly pray at the altar. Pray, pray, pray. That is. Uh, 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 one thing that no one has to even uh, remind you or, or remind me about. Burn that incense. The next thing that he talks about is to wear an effort before me. The priest was clothed in specific garments, and this was for the glory and beauty, the glory of God, and you see this in Exodus 28, verse 2 as well. He was to represent The majesty, the dignity, the glory, and the beauty of God to the people. He was a representation of God to the people. If I ask a question, do you represent God where he has assigned you? What would be the answer? If you ask yourself, am I representing God? Or you come to church, and then when you leave, everything ends there. Out there, you're a different person. When they come to your place of, of, of work or business, they wouldn't know that, uh, you know, you're even born again. They would say, who? You mean you, Mike? Mike is born again. Okay. They wouldn't be sure. But are you wearing the effort? Are you being the representation of majesty, dignity, glory, and beauty of God wherever you are? Remember, these are the things that ally had been instructed to do. These are the things that would then lead to raising a righteous generation. His sons would have turned out different if he had done this. The other thing is, that is mentioned in the same scripture, 1 Samuel 2.28, receive all the offerings. He was supposed to receive. The priest was also, charged with that responsibility to receive the offerings of God's people and to make good use of them, stewardship. What do we do? Do we receive God's offering? Do we put it to good use? Now, this can go even down to your own um, area of influence, right? What is it that you're receiving before on behalf of God, and are you putting it to good use wherever you are, you know? Are you putting it to good use? Are you are able to raise up a righteous generation in that area where you are? God has uh, has probably um, uh, brought people your way that have brought resources, have brought all kinds of things, and all you're doing is amassing, 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 and people you are not a channel through whom God would bless many others. And are you putting it to good use, or are you squandering it? So the other thing is receiving all the offerings. The next thing is being accountable to God. Wow, this, this was really one of those being accountable to God. Every moment, every time, you need to be accountable to God. And for me, this is something that has even given me a lot of uh, comfort when it comes to, you know, certain um, the times when you are not sure is this person telling the truth or not. But when you know the person is accountable, to God, you leave it to God. You say, God, this is your thing. Take care of it. It would have been easy for Eli to say, I am not, I'm not the one doing it. It is my sons, you know. And, and we always find excuses. We always find excuses. Ah, you know, God, it's not me. It's, it's the other person who did it. And, you know, Eli could have easily said, ah, it's my sons who are doing it, it's not me. But Eli had a double accountability one for his sons, you know, both as a father, though this one was kind of diminishing because now they were adults, and then as a high priest. He had a double accountability as a father and as a high priest. His sons worked for him as a priest. And Eli, in essence, you could say was a bad boss because they worked for him. So, you and I, are you accountable to God? Are you accountable to God? For all the things that He has given us, we will be accountable. Like we read in the beginning, there is a time for judgment. So you need to think eternity in mind because there's a time when you will be judged and when that time comes, you better be ready to account. Better be ready to account. The last thing is, and not honor your sons more than me. This is what he he said in uh, 1 Samuel. Not honoring your sons more than me. And I think that was in, um, it was the last part of verse 36 or 37. Why are you honoring your sons more than than me? Eh? Verse 29. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me? by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people, Israel. Hmm? So Eli should have done all these things or should have been able to listen to what they had, he had been instructed in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 28. Since Eli did not correct his sons the way he should, he essentially was, in a way, saying he preferred them to the Lord. That's what he was saying, bottom line. If Eli were more afraid of offending God and less afraid of offending his sons, he would have corrected them as he should have. He would have corrected them as he should have, but he didn't. And, uh, and I know uh, there are many Among us who are like Eli. Where you you, you, you look at your your children, you know, uh, I had a difficult life, let my children enjoy their life. Ah, you know, I had a difficult past, let me uh, enjoy myself. And you're honoring these things that God has placed in your uh, area of influence more than him. You are honoring them more than him. That is idolizing. That is idol worship. And that's not what is going to create a righteous generation. So in conclusion, this is what I want to say. Genesis uh, chapter 7, verse 1. The Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Let me say that again. The Lord said to Noah, Genesis chapter seven, verse one, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Can God say the same of me and you? Will he say the same of you and me? That he has found us and our families to be a righteous generation. This is something for us to think about. Will God say the same like he told Noah? Psalm 106, verse 31. This was credited to him as righteousness for endless generation. Wow. Psalm 106, verse 31. This was credited to him as righteousness for endless generations to come. You can influence and raise a righteous generation for the future by what you do now. It can be credited to you as righteousness for endless generations, where your children's children's children will not even realize why they are so uh, blessed, why they find favor before God, because one man, like we read in the beginning, that one man that gave his life uh, his life and 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 caused each one of us to have that righteousness so that we receive as a gift you can do the same and isaiah 51 verse 8 says for the moth will eat them up like a garment the worm will devour them like wool but my righteousness will last forever. My salvation through all generations. This is what we need. The righteousness of God through all generations. If we are able to adhere and do the things that are mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 28, and we are able to listen to the commands of God. God is ready to preserve a generation that stands out as righteous. And this will be endlessly. Do you want to be a part? Do you want to be that generation? Do you want to be part of that righteous generation? Then ensure that you abide by what God has called us to be as a high priest or wherever he has called you. Father, we want to thank you for your goodness. It's our prayer, Lord, that you will enable us to live a life that is righteous, a life that will bring glory and honor to your name. Lord, that will be able to raise up righteous generations. Lord, that we will be the kind of people that will be priests, that will be able to offer our sacrifices upon that altar. That will be able to burn incense, that will be able to put on that majesty, the dignity, and the beauty that will be shown for those to know that we are your children, that will be able to receive those offerings on your behalf and be accountable to you, that will be able to honor you more than any other thing, that Lord, your name shall be exalted above every other name, and that we will have righteous generations that will be raised to the end of the age. Lord, we bless you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. Over to you, Carol.
1: Amen. Amen. Let us receive this word. Father Lord, we come before you to thank you for this message that has been shared by your son, Lord God Almighty, Michael. Father, this is a heavy message in the times that we live. It is heavy because we have been found to be wanting. Lord God Almighty, we come before you. We come to ask that, Lord, you give us another chance to raise godly offspring, to raise righteous generations, Generations that will carry a legacy of righteousness to the very end. Lord, we come to ask that King of glory, give us another chance to speak to you concerning this matter and this lesson that has been given to us. That it will never depart from us, Lord God Almighty, as we execute our duties as parents, as mentors, as people in charge of others. King of glory, that we shall take responsibility to honor you in every way. Lord, bless Michael. Bless Robina, where she is. Bless their children. Lord God Almighty, even as He prepares to take the children, Lord God Almighty, where He's supposed to take them, watch over them. Father, may this word be multiplied in His house. May it be multiplied in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for this teaching. And we come to say, Lord, restore us. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Michael has raised a number of issues in today's teaching. Issues around mentorship and parenting, into issues in regard to obedience as a royal priesthood, righteousness, that can exalt or brings reproach, not putting God first, even as we serve him, and abuse of God's offerings, abuse of being a priest. There are many things that cause us to fail to raise a godly priesthood or a godly regeneration because of the way we minister before God. Let us come before God in repentance. Let us first give thanks. Father Lord, we come before you to thank you because you have loved us with an everlasting love. That is why you have released this message. You desire to help us to walk in the way that you have set out for us. That Lord God Almighty, we shall each pick up the thread to the direction that you have asked us to walk in. That Father, again, you light our your word as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path as we walk this path, Lord God Almighty, of priesthood, as we walk this path of path of parenting and, and, and mentorship, as we walk this path of stewardship. Lord God Almighty, we bless you because you love us. We bless you because your desire is that King of glory. The death of Christ will bear much fruit in our lives. And that as you redeem us, as you restore us, that you will also restore others that you have assigned into our care. Blessed be your holy name. Receive all the glory and receive all the honor. And we come to ask that, Lord, you accept us to come in repentance in your presence. Holy Spirit, Wash us with the washing of the blood of Jesus, as we come to you, Lord. Restore us, help us, Lord, to find our way back to you, to find our way back into a place of a royal priesthood, to find our way back into a place of stewardship, to find our way back, Lord God Almighty, King of Glory, to a place of righteousness. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. We have heard from what our brother Michael has shared. And what came to my spirit is about being too busy, busy, busy thinking we are doing ministry, busy thinking we are doing work, we are earning a living for our children. And in so doing, we do not pay attention, we do not have enough time to gain an understanding of the wickedness that they might run into or that they are operating in. And in so doing, we have failed to rebuke them because we come back tired, we come back exhausted. We hand over gadgets to entertain them and send them into the path of destruction. And so this is where Eli failed to train up his children. We see that as parents, we end up sinning against God, against God's ministry, and against God's people. So let us bring repentance. Father, Lord, we come before you, King of Glory, to repent. You called us to be a royal priesthood. But Father, instead of serving you, instead of serving you in the presence of our families, Lord God Almighty, instead of mobilizing our children to serve with us in righteousness, we have allowed them, Lord God Almighty, to go against your call, against your altar, and even against us. Father, they have failed to dishonor us as parents because we have allowed them to walk in the place of unrighteousness. Today we come to ask for mercy. Even as the children of Eli sinned against you and against Israel, they sinned against heaven and against earth. Even today, Lord God Almighty, we members of your church continue to sin against you. We have sinned against you and against all creation and against the body of Christ. We ask for forgiveness. Lord God Almighty, today, we see that there is an entire rejection of a family because of an identity that they have carried as thieves, as promiscuous, as witches, because of walking in unrighteousness. And so, Lord God Almighty, King of Kings, not only have they been rejected by community, but also been rejected by you. Father, today we come before you and ask that, Lord, we will not be found among these. Forgive us, Father, where we have sinned, to the level that we have been rejected in the body of Christ, to the level that we have been rejected in the community, to the level that we have been rejected even in the world because of wickedness. Today we come to ask, oh God, help us. Holy Spirit, help us to walk in righteousness. May the word of God burn in our hearts in our minds, transforming our mind, that we shall not be swallowed up in the world, but that we shall be in the world, but not of the world. Lord God Almighty, help us. Release your Holy Spirit, O God. Release the gift of righteousness in us, Lord God, my Father, to us and our children, that, Lord God Almighty, we will not fail in rebuking, Lord God, my Father, King of Kings, our children, Father, give us the courage, Lord God Almighty, to give them the boundaries that are required, Lord God, my Father, for them to serve you, Lord God Almighty. King of Kings, help us to love what you love. Help us to hate what you hate. Help us to address with clarity the sin of our children, the sin of the young people around us, the sin that they are carrying that we will be able to give them understanding of the gravity of their sin and that Lord God Almighty, as we share with them, Holy Spirit, convict them, King of Kings, to do the right thing. Give us the courage to exercise the authority over these children, Lord God Almighty, that we shall be able to take a stand in accordance with your Holy Word. Lord, We come to repent for not teaching our children to respectfully manage tithes, offerings, and sacrifice as sacred to you. Lord God Almighty, as we see, many young people are mean with giving, not only giving in the church, but even giving to their parents or looking after them. Father, Lord God Almighty, we come to you and ask that, Lord God, my Father, help us again. Help our children where we have failed, Lord, Holy Spirit, convict them. Meet them, you who met us when we were in darkness. Meet our children in the darkness where they are, Lord God Almighty, and turn them back to you. Lord God, my Father, may we, your people, Lord God Almighty, walk in the fear of God. Your word is clear that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to all people whether it is an individual, whether it is a family, whether it is a church, whether it is a nation, Lord God, my Father, help us, Lord, to fulfill your commands. Help us, Lord, to fulfill your duty, your principles, for this is a duty that has been cut out for us. But, Lord, not that we do it just as a duty, but we do it with love, with reverence, and with thanksgiving. Lord God Almighty, we come before you to ask for forgiveness, for forgiveness. Because today we see we are already under judgment by sickness, by premature death, by poverty, by begging for our daily bread. The psalmist declared, I was young, but now I am old. And I have not seen the children of the righteous begging bread. Father, the curse of begging bread is among us because, Lord, we have walked in unrighteousness. We have not been good stewards, Lord God Almighty, of what belongs to you. And so we have hoarded, we have stolen what belongs to the church. We have stolen what belongs to you, even from within our own pockets. And therefore, Lord God Almighty, moth and worm has eaten what we have. Lord God Almighty, King of Glory, your word is clear: that when a thief is found, that uh, the the You will send an instrument of judgment to destroy the lintels of their house and they will bring them down to the very foundations. Father, many houses are crumbling. Many homes are crumbling because they were founded on unrighteousness. Many properties are destroyed because they have been founded on unrighteousness. Lord God Almighty, we come to ask for mercy. We come to ask that you redeem us, redeem the work of our hearts, redeem our children, Lord God Almighty, redeem your church. The word of God, according to what Michael has shared, God does not leave a vacuum. He warned Eli and told him he will remove his family and bring another in their place. And this is exactly what happened. He raised Samuel in the very face of of Eli and his children. Do we want to be replaced? Do we want to lose our position? before God? We and our children to be discarded and to be thrown out into the darkness where there is gnashing of teeth into hellfire? I don't think so. Father, we come before you to repent for all that we have done, Lord God Almighty, King of glory, to cause, Lord God, my Father, your anger to burn against us. Lord God Almighty, we come to you to repent of our sin and the sin of the Former generations, generations gone by, generations that rejected your holy royal priesthood. Father, Lord, we come to you and say, Lord, what they rejected. We come to say, Lord, we want to be part of your royal priesthood. We desire, do not throw us away. God, we want to be in your presence. We want to serve you as we go out. We want to serve you as we come in. We want to serve you as we lie down. We want to serve you as we stand up. We want to serve you as we open our lips. We want to serve you as we walk in silence. Lord, help us. Help us, do not reject us. Do not reject us, Lord God Almighty, King of glory. We are asking that you do not reject us. Grant us a long life to serve you as a testimony. We have seen it with the revival group, Lord God Almighty. They have lived the age of a hundred and beyond because they served you. We desire, Lord God Almighty, to be a testimony of your presence, that we shall live a long life serving you uncompromisingly, even in a dark and sinful world, that we shall not be compromising. Father, that we shall raise children, mentor children, bring back to restoration those that have become wayward, those who have gone to drugs, to pornography, to perversions of every man, even witchcraft and the occult. Father, that we shall, you will use us to bring them back to the glory of God. And that today as we go out, clothe us in the full armor. You are full armor, O God in every way, that as we walk out, Lord God Almighty, we shall serve you, we shall be respectful of your offerings we shall not walk in greed we shall walk in stewardship we shall not abuse other people's sacrifices we shall not be thieves and corrupt in the house of the lord help us Lord, to grow as stewards of excellence before you concerning ministry concerning our children concerning your people concerning your relation resources concerning our relationship with you help us god to shun wickedness to shun evil that we and our children will found to be a righteous generations not only this generation but even the generations to come blessed be your holy name father may this word remain among us may this word speak in our lives may this word lead us even as we go out to the glory of your name in jesus mighty name we have prayed with thanksgiving amen